Welcome. Uh, yeah, whatever. Welcome to the Technopreneur. I'm right from DTO campus on this really beautiful day, even though it is quite cold today. Um, the last couple of weeks have been way warmer than today. And uh, today we'll be talking about a kind of different topic for us, aviation. So I'm really excited, especially since today's guest is... I'm going to pronounce this in a very German way. Uh, Elena Escriva de Romani Perez. I'm really sorry. I just totally budgeted it. But welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very impressed with your pronunciation. Are you though? <laughs> okay. So we've actually interviewed you before. You were so kind to be our... Uh, do, I, do I say guinea pig? Is it fine if I say guinea pig? Uh, I approve. For, for, yeah, for I trying approve. it out, exactly. And we were still in the cellar. Now we were in a, in a bit more airy room. We have some air to breathe. Uh, it probably sounds a lot better. So yeah, welcome to the new location. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I would like to start, how how did you... You're, you're, from, you're originally from Spain. Yes. How did you end up in Copenhagen? <laughs> Yeah, so actually I was living in Dublin and uh, working over there. Um, I'm a commercial pilot and uh, I always was very curious to uh, to get to know the Scandinavian lifestyle. We heard so yeah. many things in the rest of Europe, right, about yeah. the Scandinavian lifestyle. So I wanted to try it for myself and uh, I moved to Copenhagen. It's going to be four years now. I started working here. was going to be for a year or two and here am I. Okay, and you, you're, you're still working as, a, or you're again working as a pilot, or hopefully working as a pilot. How do I say it in the right way? <laughs> yes, it's starting soon, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, but today we, we want to learn a little bit more about you. So what was, you, you're now here because you, you found that something, but why did you want to become a pilot in the first place? And then why did you switch to become an entrepreneur? Okay, yeah. Um, I don't remember why I started uh, wanting to become a pilot as a kid. Uh, it came up when I was quite young. I didn't have any reference or anything like that. I just once one day said I wanted to be a pilot and there was never a plan B. Every kid wants to be a pilot at least once in their life. Yeah. I think so. No? No. Yeah, you're too nerdy for that. Yeah, true. <laughs> what? Pilots, we are nerds. Excuse me. Yeah. But like you guys are like the cool nerds with Ray-Bans and those little suitcases that you stack on top of each other and with like a uniform. It, it's it's a cool form of nerd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't know many pilots. Uh, so, um, no, but uh, I never really had a plan B. I always wanted to be a pilot and, and that was it. And then afterwards, my dad actually confirmed that he always wanted to be one as well. So mm. I might have been partially <laughs> influenced by that. You pushed you in the direction. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and now you you're doing a software startup. But if I remember correctly, you also learned programming yourself. Even though did was this before you became a pilot? Was it while you were already a pilot? So a couple of years ago, I started programming, but very very basic things. And I started a couple of courses, but I didn't really have a project that I was passionate enough to keep me going. Mm. Then um, pandemic happened, and I was sent home. I was still had a job, but I thought it was gonna be at home for like a month or so. So decided to take a long term investment and and do something to keep me sane. So I started an iOS app development bootcamp. Okay. So I got quite into yeah, app development in general and product development, design, 
And that's how it actually started. Do, do you have any recommendations? Nicholas is right now learning Python. And oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, for like two weeks I've been learning Python. <laughs> I, I just got to dictionaries in Python, which is a pain in the ass for now, but you know. And he has a tough time here at DTU with everybody yeah. judging his coding. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, this, this, you have to use camel case or whatever, like val variable yes. types yeah. of description. Yeah. For a non-programmer, that's, that's hard. <laughs> have you ever programmed before? Is no. Python your first language? Yep. First It's a ever. good one to start yep. with. Yeah, I, I figured, yeah. <laughs> I've done very, 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 very little uh, with Python, but uh, I have a bit of an overview. I, I also recommend everybody, if you want to do something like Python, especially you can do so much with it. Yeah. You yeah. can also, if you just have a business background, you can automate so many tedious tasks with it. And I think that's that's quite helpful, even if you don't do anything with IT. Yeah, just like you can automate data analysis, kind of like Fuel Vision does, <laughs> don't you? Oh, yes. Transition. That transition, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. So, so give us give us the elevator pitch. Give us the two minute, well, two minute, one minute elevator pitch. Yeah. So at Fuel Vision, what we do is that we assist airlines to reduce their fuel consumption, which leads to reducing the CO two emissions by shaping pilots' behavior. So as a pilot, you have a very strong impact on the amount of fuel that you consume. The same like okay. driving in a car. It all depends on skills and planning. How, how does this process look like if I know what, if Nicholas <sighs> gets his license tomorrow and he would fly us from Copenhagen to Berlin, how would he use fuel vision to yeah. reduce it? So what we do is that we use high quality flight data coming from the black box from the aircraft okay. mm -hmm. and that is fed into our mobile app as this data do you have to get some kind of certificate to access this data because no you just have to have a proof through the airline the oh, airline okay. is already so the aircraft has like a, a lot of different iot sensors and they are compiling all these data and that goes to the black box and the airlines use that for safety and investigations what we use is that exhaust data but for other purposes, for fuel efficiency. Yeah. And the way that our product works is that we have an app that has two tracks, the pre-flight and the flight evaluation. Pre-flight mm -hmm. is used for pilots to make decisions about how much fuel to bring on board, because as pilots, we are the decision makers on that, okay. and how to utilize it. So when you, Niklas, are going to fly <laughs> us from Copenhagen yes. to Berlin, we're on your way to... <laughs> On your way to work, on your commute, or mm -hmm. already at the office, and you're checking for the documentation, the weather, and everything else. And you okay. pull out Fuel Vision app, log in, and search the route that you are about to conduct. Mm -hmm. There we give you like a general overview of the statistics regarding a flight time, weight. Um, weight of the, the entire aircraft. aircraft. Yeah. A, fuel consumption, etc. for mm -hmm. that specific route. And then we give you a breakthrough the different phases of flight. So, so okay, start cruising, landing, stuff like that. Yes, so that's, for example... Yeah, yeah, yeah that's very... <laughs> I'm, I'm not a pilot, I'm not a pilot. <laughs> that's what I imagine the process to be like. I have to get off and then I have to fly and then get down. Yes, <laughs> almost there. <laughs> So, for example, we have one that is called like taxi out. So that's from where the aircraft is parked mm -hmm. in the parking station in the airport until it goes to the runway and takes off. Okay. 
and uh, you can get into that phase of flight through the app for that specific route and you can see statistically how much fuel burn has all those flights in that route burned before. Okay. So you can make an assessment of how much you're going to need depending on seasonality, depending on the time of the day. And then you have some recommendations of fuel efficiency techniques. Mm-hmm. What to perform, what to consider, how to perform them, when to perform them. So all that gives you a better chance to make uh, good planning for your flight. Because flying an aircraft is not like uh, driving a car <laughs> or like a helicopter. We don't have pause button. You're always <laughs> going. You're always flying. Yeah. Fair <laughs> so you always have to be 10 minutes ahead of the aircraft. Okay. You have to know where and how you're going to be in 10 minutes from now and start planning in now. Okay. Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> it yes. sounds intense. So, so for example, this taxing, and then the app would recommend you not to press the brake and the gas pedal at the same time. Or, or how does it like? How does the specific recommendation look like? In yeah. The so, Samtonix, for example, I always I always use the same one, and you can hear it in other <laughs> articles and stuff because I think it's the easiest one to Go understand. But there is a technique that is called single engine technique. So, if you fly an aircraft that has two engines, you might only need one engine to take you to the wrong way. Sounds mm-hmm. scary. <laughs> no, Sounds like you need to steer in the opposite direction. <laughs> nah, not really. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> um, we control the the aircraft with pedals in the ground. Okay. So you press right, you press left, and that's how you turn. Oh, okay. Quick inside there. <laughs> <laughs> and you, sorry, sorry. This is technically interesting. Now you turn with the rudders on the ground. Or do you turn the aircraft with like a steering thing in the front wheel? Just just you, a both. personal interesting question. Both, okay. Yeah, the rudder doesn't affect you yeah, until you Yeah, because you don't have... have speed. Exactly. You yeah. need over 80 knots. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. sorry for that little tangent. <laughs> but um, so basically that's how the product helps pilots before the flight to make a more informed decision. Okay, what should I expect for today? How can I plan for it? Then they go flying, mm-hmm. and after flying, they get a, they land and they get a flight evaluation, just like Strava or any other fitness app. They show we show them um, an objective overview of how much fuel they burn, and then we give them a score. And the way that a score is built is depending on the potential of savings for that flight and their actual actions. So we quantify their efforts. And then we give them context. We tell them what 500 kilos of CO2 means in pilot lingo. Okay. And so if I try to sum it up, if Niklas now flies us, he uses his smartphone, his iPad in the beginning, mm-hmm. does a pre-flight check, then puts the tablet away while he's flying because I would assume. Like, is it like in the car that you're not allowed to look on your smartphone? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're allowed and actually if the airline approves pilots can use the app uh, on okay. flight but it's not in flight certified okay. and the reason that we are avoiding that is because it's very very bureaucratical heavy oh, yeah. the whole process so it would okay. take years and, and then you take it out much. in the end again yeah, okay I imagine. Okay, now, okay and with this how how do you incentivize the pilots because I think there are pilots like you who are into sustainability, mm-hmm. but like everywhere else, there are also pilots who 
don't give a shit about the environment like yeah. in every other industry so what what's in for the pilot because saving fuel is good for the environment but it's also good for the company you work for because then it's a reduction of costs mm -hmm. but how what's in for the pilot yeah so the way we, we build a product so it's built by pilots for pilots and we focus very much on motivating the pilots through the rewarding system and gamification through the app like a leaderboard so I can see that Elena is the most economical pilot from Copenhagen to Berlin. Not really. And the reason for that is because we want to build a positive and a healthy culture and not one that you can benchmark. There is a feature where you can benchmark yourself against mm -hmm. the collective, but the tool is made for assisting pilots and making the job more fun, not for replacing them or for in, uh, individual bonuses is not mm -hmm. made for yeah. that because that it's a uh, very very tight uh, to safety right probably risky like exactly like adding to the risk of flying which is <laughs> never great i guess exactly and and we will never do anything that would harm pilots because mm -hmm. we are pilots ourselves yeah. and is fuel vision when you think at the beginning or, or could you first tell us how you came up with the idea because yeah, so actually it's not my idea. Um, I met my co-founder after the well, pandemic and all that. Our company went bankrupt and we were without a job. Uh, we had a company gathering or some sort and that led to one thing and we started talking and he pitched me the idea. He had been thinking about this for a few years and actually he wrote a sort of manifesto that gave to our late employer Okay. Um, but nothing uh, had evolved out of it as a company and uh, we decided mm. to start it. And is it still the original idea? Have you pivoted in a very hardly or are you still like very close to the original idea? Uh, we've, yeah, we have developed much more on top of it and pivoted in a few things, uh, of course, but the, the very, very basics are still there. and. When we were working for our previous employer, we were using our competitor. And it's a product that is not engaging at all. The, it doesn't get you hooked, uh, so you don't come back to the product. Yeah, we're back so, at the gamification. Yes. <laughs> so we learned how to make it much more first intuitive because, it, I mean, I'm very, I'm fairly young, right? And it was not very <laughs> intuitive for me neither. And I, ha I am a map developer, right? I mean, I should have known. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was quite, it's interesting. Yeah. I worked at, at <clears throat> SAP. Hmm. They are not known for the intuitive UIs. I know how IT systems can look like. And, uh, and, and before we get into the journey a bit, um, I, I read somewhere that there's two parts. There's a, let me check, let me check. There's a market segment program and a flight efficiency program. Yeah. So the, our core product is this app. Yes. Then there is a lot of add-on products that mm -hmm. we contemplate to um, develop during the f in the future. But there is so much to do with this data and the yeah. uh, finance uh, department. And yeah, we always say from, from financial planning to operational reality. We realize that within the airlines, there is a, quite a lack of understanding of certain departments and how the actual operation works and being there and understanding the stakeholders and how the operation works, it's easy to breach those things. Okay. Mm -hmm. And with that data, find solutions. 
while talking about data you you mentioned that you you have a development background now so did you develop the first version or are you still developing the app yourself or how is this how is this going no um i actually developed a well the mvp that we tested with our proof of concept airline and uh, now we have onboarded on uh, part-time basis um, data engineer data scientist actually um, and a front-end developer, and I'm overseeing both tech and product development. Yeah, yeah. So we are four. Four people. Okay. How how did you find them? How was like the hiring process? We had this right now a little bit talked about it. So how yeah how did you came up with them? The data scientist. Um, it's actually the uh, a friend or an acquaintance of my co-founder, and that's how we met him. And the front-end developer, we just uh, look for a full-time employee and we posting in the hub and we got yeah. quite a lot of applications, actually. <laughs> Famous here in Denmark, yes. the hub for startups. <laughs> yeah. as a job portal. And that leads a little bit to my next question. How how do you pay them? Do you already have paying customers? Do you have, how is it going with funding? All of What's with the financial part? How is this going? Yeah, so we have... Um, our proof of concept uh, airline sadly went bankrupt uh, a few months ago. So the day after we got in contact with the owner of uh, another Danish airline, and um, we started with them and they are paying like an early adapter fee, which is very mm -hmm. low, but just covers our um, data yeah. transfer costs and data handling costs. And then we raised uh, half a million krona from InnoBooster Congratulations. So thank you. We've been bootstrapping ourselves with that. And now we are fundraising. So we are fundraising. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how how does this process look like for you? How do you go go into this fundraising process? Are you screening lists? Are you going over your network? How, yeah, how does it look like if I would now also want to start fundraising? Um, Just potentially, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> we uh, actually were part of, uh, or are part of uh, an accelerator called Intech Founders. And mm -hmm. um, we were part of Beyond Beta. And we started like getting to know investors that way. And then literally reaching out to people through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And then they will reach out to you. So we realized that as soon as we did a LinkedIn page, we started to get a lot of inbounds. Okay. Okay. Really? okay. Mm -hmm. Just just through your LinkedIn page. Yes. Do you I, dedicate some time for yeah, this? Do are you have... super active? <laughs> We're not super active, or you should be more. <laughs> but um, yeah. And then through connections, you know, people are very keen to connect you through yeah. others. I was very surprised by how generous people are regarding that you also mentioned that you have been in two accelerators and like sometimes i have a little bit mixed feelings it it's of course depends always on the accelerator if it that you really get into the accelerator in the in the right since so the timing is right that you get there at the mm -hmm. right time and would you say the two accelerators you visited was worth it was worth the effort did it help you would you have done something different we started with an very very early stage incubator in malmo actually in malmo okay yeah it was all online because it was during the pandemic, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and then 
I think accelerators in general, it depends if it's a good fit for you. And as you said, if the rest of the companies are more or less at the same time as you are, and if there is enough time for one-to-one, because otherwise it's a lot of different frameworks, a lot of different ways to do things, but not enough time to deep dive into your specific case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes it's a bit the, um, the danger of getting too much high level content, but not specific to your needs, to your industry and to your product. Do you, do you have a specific example for that? For example, customer acquisition or something like that? Yeah, exactly. So we've been having a lot of discussions through programs and investors, so the way that we should approach um, clients. And uh, because of the kind of industry we are in, there is certain limited amount of very important key players, Mm -hmm. which they have bigger or smaller fleets, but you don't want to piss off one of these very (laughs) big airlines promising something that maybe is not ready for the kind of operation or for the fleet size yet and then closing that door for next year when you are actually ready for them. Mm. So it's the, it, it depends very much on in your industry and we are not in a mass market, right? So you're not going to start shooting to everyone. Um, so yeah, that was interesting as a topic. So you also know in the beginning mentioned that you now have like a small airline from, from Denmark. So you right now are more in the process of getting small partners to work to get early feedback and then integrate this maybe some feature request and then go on to the big players because you want to burn them as you said maybe you can't promise something um yeah right now what we're doing is that we have um it's kind of mid small fleet size so that helps us quite a lot because it's very controllable the amount yeah. of users that we have um, and the scalability of the product is is very controllable so that's the reason that we start with them and then we're using them a bit as the user pool testing for future releases yeah. of future features. And the goal is that it's a standard product for every airline. There is a few twitches to do maybe yeah. on certain thresholds on the recommendations, but it's not supposed to be a customizable for each client. Okay. I imagine that different countries have different regulations, but not necessarily airlines, right? So yeah, maybe you have to have safety fuel, for example, amount, but it probably differs from China to Europe, for example. Yeah, everything is really related through Europe, right? But also, really? okay. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, something to also to bring up is that the last threshold of safety and of is the pilot. Mm-hmm. They have the last decision. Um, yeah. What we are building is a tool that assists them, but we will never push through safety. It's not the goal at all. It's so it's it's, it's bringing transparency, mm-hmm. so pilots know better what kind of decision to make. Because it's like when you go to um I don't know any kind of job and somebody tells you yeah yeah you should do this like this. It's like ah okay why is like yeah somebody told me that like this is better done. Oh, I know you should do it like this. There is so many different. rumors or assumptions but and you quantify this yes exactly we bring transparency in what actually is good what is not that good and and how to do it and it feels it seems like your app is already in production so people are using the first version but what are your next steps do you have like phases for the app you want to reach or you also mentioned that there are some 
byproducts where you can go. So what are your next big steps? Next big goals is that we have to finalize and launch the app. And then we'll focus on continuously iterating and acquiring new customers. Okay. And do you, because right now I'm in our startup, look a little bit like how to put down the strategy and keep everybody aligned. Mm -hmm. um, oh, topic change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically to the big goal. So mm -hmm. how do you define what are your next steps and how you then nail this down and share this vision as you now have two employees also? Yeah, but it depends on the product and if you are doing it in the business level or in the product level, right? Good so well, yeah. the whole framework of um, how much value does this provide to the user versus how much complexity does that have mm -hmm. is very important for the planning and roadmap process, I find. Um, yeah. And that's what we've been focusing the most okay, what features bring the most value to users and the airlines? Because this wind back a bit, the, um, air, the airlines are the customers, but the pilots are the users, right? Yeah. So what brings the most value and in what, how difficult it is to implement that and how long will that take? So now we are focusing very much on providing less features, but with a lot of value and then continue from there and there is a very long product backlog <laughs> <laughs> there might be a bit of a conflict right between what the airline wants and what the pilot thinks is the best solution or at least that's what i imagine since you have two customers basically at that point um yeah it's not really two customers it's just the airlines are the only ones right because the end users yeah the impact depends on the pilot's engagement mm -hmm. and their application of the techniques and an understanding of the climate uh, impact. But you're in the lucky position that both of you know what pilots want because normally what, what you mentioned, Nicholas, is where software, you sell the software to someone else who uses it and yeah. there's a big yeah. gap in between. But you luckily have the industry knowledge, you know how pilots feel, what they want. So, Yeah, but it, I absolutely agree. And we came with a lot of assumptions because of that. But it's true that you can also bias that because that's what I would like, so I know best. <laughs> um, so we do interview a lot of pilots. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, our network, yeah. How, how do those interviews take place? Do you just give them a call or there are also, I think, certain tools to do it or questionnaires? Do you give them a mock-up, a prototype for feature for the whole app? I've done uh, both. I, well, we have done surveys, we have done phone calls, we have done demos. Um, and then just sending screenshots of the app as well. And what was the most valuable one where you got most insights? The problem with this user research, and I'm not a professional researcher, right? So <laughs> bear with me there. <laughs> but it's very difficult to ask someone what they want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, th I think there's a, how's it called? The mom test that you shouldn't ask people what they want, that mm -hmm. you should ask them what the problems are yeah. yeah and then you have to come up with the solution yes it's like exactly. the famous iphone thing they didn't even know that they wanted an iphone but mm -hmm. they still wanted it you know exactly but when you do a demo or when you send screenshots to people it's like mostly it's like oh this is great this is great it's like yeah i love that people like it but that's not very helping yes <laughs> yeah. we know that <laughs> yeah 
Okay. So sometimes it takes a bit of an investigative role. That's why it's, it's better to either have it in person or um, at least in real life, even if it's in mm-hmm. phone by phone, because then you can dig in more into yeah. yeah but why do you think that's great? Yeah. The and five whys. The yeah. five whys. Yes. Okay. I love the five whys. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very good technique. You get down do, and then usually there's an awkward silence at like the third why because then they're like. Hmm, I don't know. And then you have to like, but why? So yeah. I'm so bad at just accepting silence. It's, yeah. I'm... Yeah, we were talking about it the other day <laughs> in uh, Intec uh, event actually, and that we have to normalize those uh, those silences. Very hard for extroverts to do. <laughs> Very hard. Yeah. yeah my, my limit in my brain is not even a second. And then I think. I guess you can feel it right something. now, even. But you know. It, <laughs> Because I do that, I fill up silences, but it's mostly because I feel uncomfortable about it, so yes. I jump in. So yeah. I don't think it's an extrovert, introvert kind of thing. But, but the good thing is when I'm doing an interview, then I'm aware now the other person should speak. It's not about me. And then I'm half... I'm not... It's okay. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it, but I can get used to it. <laughs> I have a very off... Not off topic, but different question to what we've been talking about um just because it's kind of interesting for me uh, i'm a bit of a tech nerd as probably everyone on dtu campus and this your product is in the pursuit of uh, efficiency right like that's mm-hmm. the core value of it and my question is just the airline industry has been looking for or efficiency for so long i mean air turbines get optimized to like the the tenth of a degree of whatever fuel efficiency etc and if that is the future, like if we need this amount of efficiency or if you think that there might be something totally disruptive coming, et cetera, instead of just this incremental increase in efficiency. I'm trying to uh, write a kind of white paper about this. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> with the okay. podcast of what is to release first. <laughs> um, but it's about the, do we need short to medium term solutions in order to get to net zero by 2050? Yeah. Um, so I could go about this for hours. Uh, you have to stop me. But um, right now, there is like three big things out in the market, right? We have uh, SAF, sustainable aviation fuel. We have electrification and hydrogen propulsion. Wait, wait, sustainable aviation fuel is just fuel made from plants and synthetic fuel? Or what is sustainable aviation fuel in essence? Yeah, basically it's not fossil fuel, it's based on other sources, but also it could depend, there is several ones. It could be from the um, uh, fast food oil chips company (laughs) (laughs) without trying to sponsor anyone. (laughs) But you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It could be different sources and that's what my article kind of comes upon because it doesn't mean that it's always produced in a sustainable way. Yeah. yeah exactly because this whole sustainable fuel thing is is a, a totally different kind of worms that i don't know if we we're going to open now but you know planting plants usually it's like like soy or something and then you have to it, it takes up space where you could plant actual food that people could eat and how that uh, how you calculate the sustainable impact of that versus crude oil etc it's mm-hmm. not easy and I think it's a it's very needed sustainable aviation fuel and that mm-hmm. it has proved to be very, very efficient and it will be part of the future. But the problem right now is that the production is very limited, so it's not cost effective. Yeah. So right now it's three times the price of jet fuel. 
And with electrification and hydrogen, in a very quick also note, is that electrification, the caloric value of batteries is 50 to 1. So you need 50 kilos of battery for one kilo of jet fuel. Oh, yeah. The, the energy density. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the, um, yeah, and the caloric value, how much energy you get out of it. And uh, the, yeah, the right now is not effective or efficient or in, to be implemented other than in regional aviation. Mm-hmm. And hydrogen proportion is still very far. And then there is different ways to produce the hydrogen and there is like a gray and a green and right now everything is derived from fossil fuels so i i'm not going to be a a pessimist here (laughs) i absolutely believe on these solutions for the future and i think that that it's very needed to invest in these solutions but currently they are not uh, to be implemented yet they are not ready yet so there is not one silver bullet i would say uh, quoting a friend of mine, Oli Hall, here, for tackling climate change within aviation. And no matter what kind of the energy source, efficiency is going to, and optimization is going to be needed for the future. Mm-hmm. We slowly need to wrap it up, but you, you lead it a little bit in the directions that you, with your vision, position yourself then as a short, medium term solution. No, and a long-term one. My whole argumentation, I didn't yeah. get it through. <laughs> the, the argumentation was that you need efficiency. Like if you fly with a battery, efficiency is just as important. Yeah. And at least that's how I interpreted exactly. your explanation. And that saving on battery might increase your efficiency, but might also increase, for example, your range at yeah. the end of the day. Okay, I at understood that's that, that it, it, takes, yes. it will take them more development. And when the technologies are ready, then they could help a lot. That's how I got it, but... No, there's always okay, going to need uh, efficiency <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, optimization because these solutions also have to be cost effective. And right now they are much more expensive yeah. than mm-hmm. fossil fuel and they will continue to be. Okay. For some time. One last question. Yes. The the classic <laughs> question. Yeah. What would uh, what advice would you give yourself when you would now when you look back before you started your pilot license? What advice would you give your in this situation? What would you do different, or would you do everything in the exact same way? I hate this question. <laughs> um, I also wouldn't know what to answer. No, no, awkward silence. Awkward silence. It's fine. It's fine. Let her, let her think. I think I would have started to program a bit earlier, but I, yeah, but in retrospective, I think it's very easy to judge. And I think that I've learned and I've got to where I am now and hopefully where I will be in a year from now and in five. So, yeah. yeah. But maybe someone else will now start programming who's always a little bit in between. Like me, two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it helps someone. Yes, of course. Let's hope it helps them. <laughs> All right, with that, <laughs> with the programming and aviation and everything, thank you very much for being here. Thank you Thanks for having again. me. It was a very fun podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>